This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 89. Show notes for this episode can be found at shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 89. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Hello, Shameless Moms. Happy 2017. Holy cow, how did we get here so fast? So I'm really looking forward to a new year. I hope you are too. And I kind of like feel like I need to do a little recap of the last week because so much has happened. It was the holidays. We were over with my mom in Spokane for Christmas. We had like over a foot of snow. It was so beautiful. My mom was horrified. She hates the snow. She hates driving. She doesn't drive in it. So she feels very confined when there's snow. But my husband and I are much more comfortable driving around. I should say my husband, he did most of the driving or maybe all of the driving. So we did a decent amount of driving around and we went to a couple of holiday parties with family when we were over visiting her. And then we also got to go sledding one day in this big, huge park. If you've ever been to Spokane, Manitou Park, oh, I love it there. If you have ever go to Spokane in the future, if you've never been, you have to go to Manitou Park. It's like gorgeous in the winter with the snow and there's lots of sledding. And then in the summer, it has these beautiful gardens and multiple playgrounds and it's just a really cool, fun place for with a little something for everyone. And it's a gorgeous, huge park in the middle of a city, which I always love those kinds of parks. So we had a really great time with family over in Spokane and just uh, mellow downtime. And I have to say, my husband on Christmas night <laughs> says to me, he's like, are you okay? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, you just seem like you might be like upset about something. And I was like, I do. I was like, no, like today's been a great day. So I think he might have been referring to when I gave Vinny a timeout at the beginning of Christmas dinner. <laughs> My mom and 
husband, I think, were both horrified that I was essentially ruining Christmas dinner. But Vinny sat down to the table and was being a total brat. As can happen on Christmas Day when children are just a little overstimulated and maybe a little tired and like everything's kind of wound up. So Vinny sits down to the table and he's being like cranky and rude. And I was like, that's it. You can get up from the table and you can come back when you're ready to sit here politely and eat the dinner that's being served to you that my mother slaved on all day long. And so they both, I think my mom and Vince thought that maybe I was feeling disappointed in Christmas or frustrated or something. So I was like, oh, no, no, like, I'm totally fine. But maybe I have been short with you guys because I don't know. I mean, we have had like a lot of family togetherness and I wasn't meaning to be short. And then I started thinking about it when I went to bed and I was like, you know, I haven't worked out in three days and this might be the problem. So I got up the next morning and I worked out in my mom's guest bedroom, which I had like barely enough room to like lay down and do a push up, but I had enough room to move. And I only did like a 15 minute workout and I felt a million times better. I didn't even realize that I needed to do that until I did it. And this is why I cannot go more than one to two days at a time without exercise because I don't even recognize it, but I kind of lose my mojo and other people have to be like, please go work out because this is not fun and it's not pretty for anyone. So I just wanted to put that out there for those of you who might also struggle with that. And let me tell you what I did for my workout because this is kind of fun and this is like the kind of thing that anyone can do on a moment's notice. So yes, I have a background in fitness and it's easy for me to put together workouts, but this is a fun way to do it that anyone can do. So I took out a playlist and I was like, okay, my workout is going to be four songs long. So each song is like three and a half to four and a half minutes. So my workout is going to be four songs. Within each song, I'm going to do a different circuit. So for example, the first circuit was something, I think I did 10 squats, eight push-ups, and some sort of lunge thing. No, I don't remember what it was, like 12 lunges or something. And then I just repeated that for the entire song. So I was just listening to the song, going through this thing. So it was kind of mindless. Like I had to focus on counting and going from one exercise to the next, but I just did it for as long as the song lasted. And then when that song was over... Then I changed it up. And the next song, I took three different exercises that I hadn't done in the first set. And I did those three exercises repeatedly for the whole second song. And then the third song, again, totally different exercises and put those in and chose those for that third song and repeated them as many rounds as I could for the third song. And then the same thing for the fourth song. So at the end of the thing, at the end of the workout, I had done, I think it was four songs. It took me like 15 or 18 minutes or something. I felt like a new person and it didn't feel like, okay, now I have to go do like this amount of this and this amount of this and lift this amount of weight. Like it was just super easy and casual just to get moving. And I was completely sweating so that you can do this with body weight stuff. It was so easy and it was fun to just do something that was like very informal and not structured just to get moving. So anyone could do this. You could just take something like jumping jacks and push-ups and squats and do like 20 jumping jacks, 10 squats, five push-ups, and just repeat that as many times as you can for the length of a song. And then the next song, you mix it up and do something different. So maybe you would do some lunging and some sit-ups or some sort of plank exercise, and then maybe some sort of back exercise for your low back, like supermans or cobras or something. You can mix in a million different things. You could do the same thing with yoga. So you could do some sort of yoga flow, if you're familiar with how to put those series together, and do a series over the course of a song. So super easy way to get in a workout. And I was like, that was so fun. I'm so glad I did that. And I'm going to definitely do this format again, like just get out a playlist and get the music going and just keep it really low key. So then I felt like in a much better mood the rest of the time we were there. And so the thing, I love running in Spokane because my mom lives up on this bluff where I can overlook this big valley and it's really pretty in the summer with the sun. And then in the winter, it's gorgeous with the snow. But it was, I tried to go running on our last day there 
and it was like a foot of snow and some areas were plowed where I could like get my footing a little bit, but then I would like for a block be able to run and then I would have to literally stomp and trudge through like a foot of snow for like one or two blocks. So I kind of gave up. I just walked. It was fine. It was so pretty. I just wanted to get out and be in nature and be in taking this scenery. So I was able to do that. So that was really nice. Christmas with Vinny was so fun. I have to say four is a really, really fun age for Christmas. So Vinny got his big gift for Christmas from Santa was the Lego fire station. And he had been like obsessing about it for a couple months now. So he was very excited about that. And honestly, we could have not bought him anything else because once he had that, he didn't care. We had to negotiate to make him open more presents after he got that. He was just like, no, I just want to put this together. And let's talk about gifts that we get our children that are actually self-punishing for the parents because we got him this Lego station that was 919 pieces. And what do you think we did on Christmas day for four hours straight? Like all I wanted to do was take a shower and eat some breakfast. And no, we sat for four hours and put together Legos. I had calluses on my thumbs. Like my mom was like, it's almost time for dinner. And I was like, what? Like I haven't showered. I had eaten a little bit of breakfast, but I was like starving. I had needed a snack for two hours at that point. My thumbs were aching. So it was a lot of fun, but I was laughing at the things that we do, the gifts that we give our children, and then they end up like roping us in for an entire day. The other thing we got him in his stocking, he got a pair of gloves. So not mittens, but gloves. So if you have a child around the age of three or four, do not get your child gloves because they will want to wear them all the time. And you will be the person who has to try to get them on and try to get the fingers in the right spaces. And it's just a battle no one wants to fight. And it's so annoying and so frustrating. And your child, you'll go to all this trouble. It will take at least seven minutes to put on each glove. And then your child will take them off after 30 seconds and want you to put them back on. So I've been doing a lot of glove putting on in the last few days, and I'm kind of over it. So again, I'm like, why did I buy him gloves? Why did I buy him something that just is going to torture me? I don't understand. I don't know why I didn't think of this, but I don't understand why we do this to ourselves over and over. So outside of that, though, Christmas was really, really fun. And Vinny was so into it. And he's such a believer of everything right now, which just makes it really sweet and endearing. So That was a great, great trip. At the end of the trip, the last night, my mom let Vince and I have a little date night. So we went and saw La La Land. Oh, you guys, it is so good. So if you haven't seen La La Land, please go see it. Even if you're not super into musicals, I thought my husband would think it was really cheesy and he loved it. And I love musicals. Like my favorite movie of all time, hands down, is The Sound of Music. But this movie, it was so good. And I have to say, Emma Stone, oh my gosh, I have such a girl crush. Like, never mind Ryan Gosling, who's also in the movie. I could care less about him. Total girl crush on Emma Stone. So they were both great, but I just thought Emma Stone was phenomenal. And the music is really fun. I've been listening to the soundtrack recently. I had it blasting in the kitchen just a little bit ago this morning while I was doing some cleaning. So really, really great movie if you're looking for something fun. And if you do see it, let me know what you think of the ending. It was not what I expected. I like was actually totally surprised by the ending. So yeah, if you see it, let me know. We can have some like a Facebook conversation about it, or you can send me an email and we can chat. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing. And they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. So let's get talking about 2017. This is what we're really here for today. So what I love about New Year's anymore, and especially coming from the fitness industry. So when you're in the fitness industry, it's like all about New Year's resolutions. So from like a sales perspective, you're selling everyone into like, come into my gym and come into my facility and like get on the bandwagon and get in the best shape of your life and all this stuff. And people are super motivated. As a business owner and as someone who runs a gym in Seattle, you want to capitalize on that. Like you want to get people when they're motivated because then they're invested and they're looking forward to it. And it can be a lot more fun. And there's a lot of energy behind the people in your facility and people are really committed. And there's a momentum behind that that is felt within the whole gym community, which can be really, really positive and really empowering to everyone who's kind of recommitted for the year. So that there's some great things about that. But there's also... The other side of that, that's not the gym owners, it's the actual members or the participants who on an annual basis recommit and say like, this year's going to be the year I really do it. I'm really going to take great care of myself. I'm really going to lose these 20 pounds. I'm really going to eat healthier. And what happens is we set these goals and many, many times they don't come to fruition. 
And there's some reasons that that happens. And I'm going to talk about that today. But what I love that I'm seeing, and I've started seeing this a couple of years ago, and I actually, I've been talking about it and talking about my angst for resolutions and why I don't make resolutions for myself. But what I see happening on a larger scale among many people in the wellness industry, and just among many people who provide services to women, is I see an anti-resolution revolution, and I'm loving it. Because here's the thing about resolutions. They generally don't stick, they generally don't work, and they become another one of those things that where we allow ourselves to feel like a failure. And when you have those things repeatedly in your life, that really starts to wear on your self-image, wear on how you see yourself, wear on how you carry yourself. It wears on your ability to make positive choices for yourself moving forward because you feel down on yourself for having been through repeated cycles of failure. So I'm not a fan of resolutions because this is what I see happening. I see people setting a bar at an unrealistic level or just not being specific enough about what they want. And so that doesn't allow, they don't set themselves up for success. So when I look at resolutions, here's why I think they suck. I think people set them too big and not bite-sized enough. So I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. And I think they're often framed as punishments. So why would you be motivated to stick with something that you see as a punishment? So often we think of a resolution like, for example, using a gym or nutrition resolution, We think, oh, after January 1st, I'm going to start working out every day to make up for everything I ate over the holidays. Or I'm going to stop eating sugar because I've eaten so much sugar in the last month. So we're punishing ourselves for past behavior with this new behavior. That's like not super inspiring. I'm totally not inspired by that. Is anyone inspired by that? Like I'm not inspired to beat myself up over past behaviors in order to move forward into something that's like quote unquote better because here's the truth. Maybe I didn't work out as much as I should have or would have normally over the holidays. Maybe I ate more chocolate than I normally do. But you know what? Like I had an amazing Christmas. I had a great time with friends and family. I actually loved like everything we did for the holidays with my family leading up to Christmas. And, you know, we went to Arizona for Thanksgiving. So that five or six week period in there, like we did some really cool things as a family. So I'm not going to look back on that time as like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed this workout and that workout and I ate crappy and blah, 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 blah. Like there's no benefit in that. And I'm dismissing all my positive experiences during that time if I look back with that kind of an attitude. So I'm not going to move forward and set goals for myself that are based on punishing myself for past behavior or punishing myself for like how my year overall went in 2016. The other thing about resolutions sucking and not sticking is that they're way too vague. They are not specific enough and there's not actionable steps. So to say like in 2017, I'm really going to get healthy. What does that mean? That can mean a million different things. And when you say, I'm just going to get healthy starting next week, like, what are you going to do? It has to be a lot bigger than that. Or another example would be like, in 2017, I'm just going to be less stressed out. (laughs) I love that. Like, yes, please be less stressed out. But how are you going to be less stressed out? So you have to be really specific about how you're going to do this. So instead of having a resolution that's around this like big, broad concept that's way too much to really conceptualize or too much to implement, you have to instead look at changing habits. So I actually, in researching for today, I came across this really great article that talked about why resolutions fail. And the article talks about why 88% of resolutions fail and then how to make them work. So I'm going to link to the article. The title of the article is The Science of New Year's Resolutions, Why 88% Fail and How to Make Them Work. So I will link to this in the show notes over at episode 89. And what you're going to see is 
there's some really interesting science behind this, which I won't get into a whole lot of the science today, but it's fascinating. And as you start reading through it, you're like, oh yes, I get it. But this talks about that 50% of Americans set a New Year's resolution for themselves, but 88% of those resolutions that are set are considered failures, that people don't actually meet the goal that they set, which equates to 156 million failed resolutions every year. So the problem with this is everything I said before, that like if we on a mass scale, we are setting goals and failing to meet them, then that's like a system that doesn't work. If as a culture, 156 million times we are failing, like this is very broken. So let's fix this moving forward and put something into play that can actually be beneficial and actually change your life and actually positively impact you. Like that is way more significant. So if you want to read more about what happens to your brain with resolutions, definitely hop over to this article. It's so interesting. And it talks about your brain's, the limited capacity for your brain to take on new things. So when you say something like, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in the new year, and I'm going to do that by exercising every day and not eating sugar and going to bed earlier and only having protein shakes for breakfast and not eating out anymore. And you start putting all these rules in place, right? So at the end of the day, you maybe have like seven to 15 new rules for yourself. Your brain cannot take all that in. It's too much. So your brain is like in overload mode and it can't focus on any of those seven to 15 things. So what is much more significant is if you practice tiny habits, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast, you practice tiny habits and you make them really attainable and you focus on one or two things at a time. And so what you're going to see with this is you're going to see that you are putting a really specific action into place and then you're repeating it over time, which is way bigger than saying like, I'm just going to be less stressed next year. So maybe it's like, instead, I'm going to meditate for five to 10 minutes, three days a week. Or maybe it's every morning or maybe, I mean, it can be whatever you want, but it's something that's like super systematized and it's very implementable and it's very defined. So you know exactly like, am I doing this today? Am I not doing this today? How long does it last? What days does it happen? When does it happen in the day? Like all those kinds of things so that you can check the box at the end of the day and say like, yes, I did this or no, I didn't versus something like I'm going to get healthy this year. And then you wait an entire year to check a box at the end of the year. And you're like, I don't even know how to define what I did or didn't do because it was such a broad concept. So when you're looking at how to improve your life in 2017, you want to look at improving your habits in 2017. And habits are small things. Habits are not losing 30 pounds. Habits are not being less stressed. Habits are little tiny action steps that you're taking on a regular basis. So here's how you can start to improve your life by improving your habits. The first thing is that you can talk about it. So I'm going to share with you, there's four examples in this article that I thought were such great examples of how to take a broad concept and then hone it into a very specific habit. So if you have a goal of quitting smoking, instead of saying, I want to quit smoking, that's a very big concept, right? And that's super overwhelming, especially when you're looking at something that's super addictive. So you want to look at what's the habit. The habit would be, instead of just saying, I'm going to quit smoking on January 1st and never smoke again, which is completely life shattering for someone who's been a smoker for any length of time. Instead, you're going to say, I'm going to stop smoking that one cigarette every morning after breakfast. So you're just taking one habit. Once you've mastered that, then you can add another habit and you can add to that. So I'm going to take out the cigarette after breakfast. I'm going to take out the cigarette after dinner or whatever. Like it can look a lot of different ways. There's no right or wrong, but it's one super specific habit that where you can check the box again at the end of the day. Like, did I do it? Did I not do it? The next one will be, 
if you have a resolution or a goal of I'm going to eat healthier food. So a habit related to that would be to start substituting one banana or a piece of fruit for a pastry or muffin in the morning. So it's just one little thing. I would say, so this was the article example, I would say start by substituting protein for your pastry in the morning because protein will fuel you all day long and actually help you make better choices all day long with your food. So if you have a goal of eating healthier in the new year, start with breakfast. What's one thing you can do to improve your breakfast? Can you add in 20 grams of protein for breakfast every single morning? That will totally change a whole bunch of other habits throughout the day. So it's just one tiny habit that actually can have a really big trickle-down effect to other habits. The third example in the article would be a resolution of losing weight. So again, super broad concept. A habit that would be relevant to that would be going for a walk every day after work. So it could be very short. It can be for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It can be just around the block. It can be, you can specify whatever it is, but it's just implementing this habit. And initially, especially like we often implement goals or we implement habits that are really big. Like I'm going to go to the gym every day for an hour. Don't go to the gym every day for an hour. I mean, if you have the time to do that, go for it. But if you're like a mom and especially a working mom with multiple children, like don't set yourself up for that. How about you just do a five to 10 minute walk? It could even be with the whole family every night after dinner. What you will find is by implementing that beginner habit at a beginner level, you set yourself up to do it and be like, oh, I'm doing this. And actually this is super sustainable. And actually I feel really great doing this. And it's easy for me to check it off every day. Once you've done that for a few days or a few weeks, then you can add to it. So it might be that you start off with 10 minutes of walking every day, but by the end of the year, you might be running three miles after dinner or after work every day. So you can build upon the goal for sure but start with something where you're like, I know I can do this. It's almost a no brainer to just get the ball rolling. So I've actually even had people to do early morning workouts where I'm like, I just want you to sleep in your exercise clothes. I don't even care if you work out in the morning. And so people will just initially start with like, I'm just going to sleep in my exercise clothes. And then they get up and they're like, well, I'm already dressed. Like, I guess I could go walk the dog around the block. So it can start off with this like very mini habit that builds into something much bigger, which is a much bigger, much better way to set yourself up for success than starting out with, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour every day after work, which will maybe last for a week or two, and then you might not do it again for the whole year. So you want to find a habit you can build upon rather than implementing something that's so big that you're setting yourself up to fail and you probably won't even make a second attempt on that goal over the course of the entire year. The fourth example in the article is having a resolution of managing stress Again, way too broad of a concept. And then the opposite of that would be, or the complement to that would be a habit that is meditate for two to three minutes every morning after you wake up. So a lot of you have heard me talk about the Headspace app. You can use the Headspace app that's available on any phone to meditate. And that's a guided meditation. It's so easy. Like you can literally sit up in bed and turn it on. I find if I do it in bed, I like want to go back to sleep. So I go to my couch and do it. But it's a really relaxing way to wake up. And you get up, you turn on your meditation app, you do your 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. There's like all sorts of links that you can choose. And it's just a quick little thing that you do first thing in the morning. And again, if you start with two to three minutes, you're not setting yourself up to fail. If you tell yourself you're going to meditate for 30 to 60 minutes every morning, like, come on, we all know that's not going to happen out of the gates. You will do it for a few mornings and then be like, oh my gosh, like the kids were up last night and I have to be to an early meeting this morning and like whatever, like all these things are going to get in the way. So you make it small so that things can't get in the way. 
you make it small and you make it a habit. So over in episode 82, we talked about recency and frequency. So it's really important that when you have these habits that are manageable and that you can implement regularly, then you get into that whole philosophy of recency and frequency. And the things that you've done most recently, you're more likely to continue doing. The things that you do most frequently, you're more likely to continue doing. So adding in these tiny habits, that's really where the gold is when it comes to behavior change that is sustainable over a long period of time and that is measurable, where you can get to the end of the year and be like, wow, I can measure the ways that I decrease my stress. I don't wake up with anxiety. I go to sleep okay at night. I spend more time laughing with my kids. I'm more patient at work. I'm more patient at home. I schedule more fun things with my family because I'm just less stressed out in general. So it allows me to have room for more joy in my life. Those are all ways that are much more measurable. Maybe you have started doing like a weekly date night or a weekly girls night or all sorts of different things where you can really measure that at the end of the year and say like, these are the things that have happened as a result of these tiny habits. So super, super important to take that angle rather than this big, broad concept of setting a big resolution as we've traditionally done. So the three steps that I want you to think about in improving these habits. So once you kind of define what the habit is going to be and you decide like, okay, this is how I'm going to go about exercise this year. Like on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to exercise for 20 minutes first thing in the morning or 20 minutes after work or whatever that might look like to you. It can look like a million different things. Whatever the habit is you choose, there's three things you're going to do. You're going to talk about it. You're going to write about it and you're going to embrace it. So when you talk about it, that means you're telling people about it. So you're just casually, I mean, you can tell people like if you want to make a big announcement like, hey, coworkers, I'm going to be leaving every day at four o'clock to go for my walk or my run or go to my exercise class or whatever. Like you can do that, but it can also just be in casual conversation. And I know that I did this a lot when I was doing a lot of my early distance running training. When I was doing runs that I was scared of, I talked about them all the time. Like people probably got sick of me talking about them. The first time I trained for a half marathon or the first when I trained for a marathon, which I only did once and I'll never do again. But I would talk about, it probably sounded kind of braggy, but I would work it into conversation like, oh yeah, this weekend, I definitely want to hang out with you. So I have to do an 18 mile run on Saturday. But when I'm done with that, I can come like, let's meet up. So that's this added layer of accountability because I'm telling people about what I'm doing. And then they're like, oh, wow, you're running 18 miles. Like you're crazy. And I was. Then there's this added layer of like, they think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. Like it has to get done. And then when I go see that person later in the day, they're going to be like, so how was that crazy 18 mile run? And I'm going to say, oh my God, it was horrible. Because on my 18 mile training run for my marathon, I ran around the same lake three times there's a lake here in Seattle called Lake Union. And I ran around it three times in the pouring rain. And I cried the last six miles, that last lap, I just cried the entire time. (laughs) So if someone were to ask me, like, how was that 18 mile run? I can be like, you know what? It really, really sucked, but I did it. (laughs) This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs, she talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So talking about what you're doing can be really helpful. It gives you an added layer of accountability to hear yourself owning these habits. And it also has other people, it brings them into the fold where they can then also be helping you with accountability and not like they're going to hold your feet to the fire and they might if you ask them to, but it's just that little like super low key kind of like subtle accountability that can be really powerful because you know, people are like watching like, wow, she did an 18 mile run. Like, I guess she actually is going to run 26 miles. And let me tell you, when you're doing that 18 mile run by yourself in the rain, you're like, there's no way I'm going to ever run 26 miles. (laughs) So it helps if you have doubt in yourself, it helps to have other people be like, wow, like you're totally doing it. That's so crazy and amazing. And I'm super impressed. So that can be really helpful. The other thing with talking about it is it allows you to own your desires. So people will question you like, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to give up sugar? Why do you want to stop drinking? And you know, a lot of people I know stop drinking for the month of January or stop drinking during the week or whatever. Like, why would you want to do that? It allows you to have conversations that help you define why these things are important. Like, well, I just sleep better and I feel better. And you know, I noticed that like I'm less moody. I've actually had some great conversations with people about this lately that like they find they're less moody and less kind of, I talked to someone, we were talking about red wine depression. Like if you have too much red wine, you feel like kind of depressed the next day. By the way, I found this is not true with white wine. So if this is happening to you, I've tested this for everyone. So you can drink the white wine. It's a lot better. So I found that I get red wine depression if I have too much red wine and I can be pretty cranky the next day and I'm not alone. I thought it was just me, but it's not just me. So talking about this with other people also will help you own your desires. When you say things out loud, you really start to like have a clear idea of why this is important to me. And that can be very helpful in defining. Also, when you talk about it, you feel the power in your convictions, the power in your convictions that you can and you will make this happen. So every time you say it out loud, you become more 
convinced and more firm minded about like, yes, I'm totally going to do this. And so there's definitely things that I've said out loud. I mean, my gosh, this podcast would be one of them and talking with my business coach a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago saying, like, I think I want to do a podcast. As soon as you start saying those kinds of things out loud and someone else is like, oh, wow, yeah, like, what would you talk about? The wheels start turning and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, like I could talk about this and I could talk about that. And that's how things actually come to fruition. Like you say stuff out loud and then it actually happens. So, you know, some people use vision boards too, where like you put pictures up and then things actually happen. There's a lot of philosophies around that as well. But I think the more we say things out loud, the more likely they are to happen. So talking about it is really important. The next piece of this is write about it. Put the details on paper. So if you're a journaler, it's great to journal about your goals. And I'm going to give you some specific things that you can write about. If you're not a journaler, sometimes just making some lists. So I know that bullet journaling is this really cool new fad, and I don't know much about it, but I know it involves, instead of like writing paragraphs and kind of more lengthy journaling that some people don't have time for, bullet journaling can be much more quick and like just making lists of things, which I am a big fan of. So I haven't read a lot about or researched a lot about bullet journaling, but from what I know of it, it's right up my alley. And this is kind of how I've started journaling in my morning journaling, where Sometimes I'll write like a paragraph about something, but I almost always somehow end up like just doing bullet lists about something, some sort of concept where it's just easier for me to make lists of things. And then I can put those concepts together into paragraphs later if I want to. And often I do put them together into like entire podcast episodes, but bulleting can be really helpful. So when you're writing about things, this might just be on a couple post-it notes or in just a little notebook, again, can be super casual. You can put it in a Word doc if you want. You can make it more formal and fancy if you want. You can put it up on your refrigerator because visuals are always helpful, but it can be as informal as you want it to be. When you are getting the details on paper, you're talking about like, what is the habit? What are you actually doing? When are you doing it? How long are you doing it for? What time of day does it happen? Like, is there someone else involved? Is there equipment required? Do you need to buy something? Do you need to schedule something? You know, if you're changing nutrition habits, you're probably buying new food. You might be cleaning out your pantry. If you're starting a new workout, you might be scheduling some classes or, you know, going on a tour of a gym, or maybe you're ordering some videos to do them at home, or maybe you're getting a new exercise app. I'm obsessed with the Beachbody On Demand app, by the way, which is where I'm doing all my home workouts with currently. And they're like 30 to 40 minutes. So if you want any information on it's Beachbody On Demand, but I think you can just go to the app on your iPhone and get it or on whatever phone you have and get it. But if you have any questions, shoot me an email at info shamelessmom.com and I can give you more information on how to access it. It's cheap and it's easy and it's amazing workouts. So do you need to get equipment? Do you need to get clothes? Do you need to get like a new sports bra and tennis shoes? Do you, which is kind of fun, by the way, to do some shopping for some of these things. If it's de-stressing, is it getting rid of certain things? Is it unscheduling certain things? Is it changing some of your commitments at work or you know at home? Is it scheduling in that time to meditate? Is it downloading the meditation app? So there's all these little like pre-work things that details before you can start a new habit that you want to get, write them down. And then why do you want this habit? What about this habit is important to you? What results are you looking for and why do you want it? So if you're going to start walking or running every day, why do you want to do that? How will it make you feel? How will it make you more powerful? What is the end result you're looking for and how will your life be improved with that new habit? So are you looking to feel more strong, more powerful, more capable, more fit, more healthy, more energized, more positive, more productive? Like all of those things are things that would happen with 
a commitment to exercise, maybe with something totally different. But if your habit is totally different than exercise, like look at what would the benefits be and how will your life be improved with that new habit? Because that is very motivating to have a very specific list of benefits to know that like, oh yeah, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm super fired up about this. And then what specific actions or steps do you need to take for this tiny habit to be repeated regularly to increase recency and frequency like we talked about a little bit ago and we talked about in episode 82? What are the very specific steps that you're going to take? So if I'm going to get up every morning and meditate, like do I have my app ready to go. Like for me on my couch, it was like I needed a pillow in a certain place. I wanted a blanket in a certain place because my house is freezing in the morning. I wanted a glass of water next to me. Like there was just these little things here, but what are the specific steps that you're going to take to make sure that that happens? Same thing when I get up and work out in the morning, like there's some specific, I eat a little thing right before I start. I bring my water into the room. I put on my shoes. I set up the app on my iPad. I put up like if I need to put my pull-up bar in place and my door jam, I do that. There's all sorts of little things that like just need to happen. So I start writing out those steps can be really important. And then what are the biggest obstacles in your way in approaching this new habit and how will you work around them or through them? So a great example, like for me with exercise, I plan on exercising six days a week. If it only is five, that's fine. So I always know I'm going to get a minimum of five because that sixth day, sometimes if we're doing something on the weekend, sometimes that sixth day doesn't happen and that's fine. Yours just does not need to look anything like that. You might say like, I'm going to schedule four workouts this week and hopefully I'll get three in because something is likely to happen. And I'll tell you the funniest thing, as soon as you commit to some sort of new habit change like this, like someone will get sick at work and you'll have to go in earlier to cover for them. Or your kids will be up all night sick or you'll get the flu or like you will hurt your knee. Like all sorts of things happen when you put a new plan in place. I swear to God, I can't tell you how many people I've had come to my gym and be super fired up about like starting a new program or newly committing to something. And then within a week, they have some sort of like crazy catastrophe. And sometimes it only lasts for a day. Sometimes it lasts for a week or two. But like life totally tries to get in your way. So you have to be prepared for that to be like, you know what? This is my plan for this week. If it doesn't happen this way, like if I only get 50% of it done, that's okay. Because I can go back to the beginning next week if I have to. And then if I get it all done, great. And I can build upon it next week if I want. But be aware that like the universe might conspire against you. So have a plan around that. Like what happens with your new habit, with your plan, if your kids are sick? How does that look? Could your husband be back up? You know, just have some sort of plan for working around or through these obstacles because they will come up and they come up early on, it seems. And when they come up early on, it's like the perfect excuse to be like, well, see, I wasn't even supposed to do this. I can't even do this. I don't even want to now because I'm all that stuff. So you want to make sure that you have this little plan where you're like, oh, yes, of course. This is where Sarah said, I'm going to get the flu and now I can't work out all week with my first week with this habit as a goal. And then lastly, embrace it. So you want to act as if the new life or the goal that you're imagining, act as if you've already achieved it. Like carry yourself in a way where you're like, I've already done this great thing. So if you want to lose 20 pounds, carry yourself as if you've already done that because you will behave in the way to make that goal happen or to meet that goal if you are acting as if you've already done it. So that can be really, really powerful. Don't wait to like, I'm not going to buy hot clothes until I actually think I look hot. Like, no, like buy some hot clothes now. Start loving your body now. And then you will continue to make choices that where you eat more healthy, where you exercise more often, and the weight will come off because you already are carrying yourself as if you've met this goal because you know what's going to happen. So you have to really 
think really focus forward in that way of like, this is for sure happening and this is how I'm going to approach it. And I'm doing it this way and I feel amazing about it and nothing can get in my way. And this is who I am now. It very much has to be part of your identity. So you really have to focus on embracing it. Get excited about the possibility and the potential of this habit really impacting your life. If you aren't excited about it, if you're coming from a place of punishment, like we talked about in the beginning, if you're framing a goal or a habit or a resolution around punishment, it will not stick because it has to be about positivity and potential and the possibility of this actually happening if you want it to actually happen. It's not going to happen if it's not about that. If it's coming from a place of self-loathing and defeat and frustration and fear and self-doubt, like it will not happen. Next, you want to play up the parts that energize you and keep those top of mind, especially as the novelty wears off. So here's the thing. For example, with getting up early to meditate or getting up early to exercise or not eating sugar, like any of those kinds of things, the novelty wears off. Like you get a few days in and you're like, yeah, I've done it. But like, you know what? That donut looks really freaking good. And so you are going to have to play up the parts that energize you and really focus on that and be like, yes, like three days in a row, no donuts. I'm on it. I totally got it. Like be pumped up and fired up about that. Because if you let yourself sink into like, yeah, 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 I did it. Three days of no donuts, whatever. Like the novelty just wears off and you will much more sooner than later stop the habit. So you want to really keep that energy of the initial energy with you as long as possible. And as you start meeting a goal as well, then it becomes the motivation you get reinforced by being so close to completing the goal. So this happens a lot with weight loss where like you get a certain ways in and you're like, oh, I feel amazing right now. Like nothing could stop me. I'm so excited because you see the results actually happening. So same thing with smoking. Like if you cut down from, you know, 10 cigarettes a day to five and you're like, oh my gosh, like I totally did that. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go from five to three. And let me just give the caveat that it is a little different with addiction and I don't want to minimize the struggle of breaking addiction at all because it's a different ballgame than starting a new exercise routine for sure. But there also is a lot of empowerment and a lot of motivation that comes with meeting milestones along the way. So sometimes you have to get really fired up for those initial milestones. But then as you hit milestones, it becomes easier to continue with the new habits because of recency and frequency, but also because you have this motivation of like, oh my gosh, I'm totally doing this. Like, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm not going to back off now. Like, look how far I've come. So then that becomes very powerful. And then lastly, the last part of embracing it, I should say, is seeing yourself as someone who does this thing. So your new habit has to become a part of your identity. So if you decide that like, I'm going to become a runner in 2017, like when you talk about running, identify as a runner, be like, I'm a runner now, make posts on Facebook about like being a runner. And this is what runners do. And as a runner, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't care if you barely can run. I don't care how slow you're going. You guys have probably heard me talk about my dad one day when I was running half a bunch of half marathons and he says to me one day, he goes, so are you like really a runner or are you more of a jogger? And I was like, dude, like you kind of don't get to ask me that because if you're jogging, you're running. Like if you're doing anything more than walking, anything at all faster than walking, you're running. And it doesn't really matter if you're quote unquote jogging or running, it's all running. So, and from the person who doesn't run at all, you don't get to ask me questions or judge my running situation quite maddening. So really identifying as that person that you want to be. Identify as a non-smoker. Identify as a low-stress person. Let's all like take a vow to not say we're busy in the new year. So you know when people are like, hey, how are you? And you're like, oh, it's just so busy. I'm just always so busy. Like there's this badge of honor with being busy. What if we were like, oh, you know what? I no longer am a busy person. Because busyness is totally this nebulous concept. And as is time, 
So we all have as much time or as little time as we believe that we have, and we are all as busy or not as busy as we think we are. And so, and I could do a whole episode about this, and I probably will someday. If you start identifying as someone who's not overly busy, you're not going to overbook yourself because you don't make yourself super busy, right? So you're going to make choices based on this identity that you create for yourself that will reinforce the identity. So let's not all be so busy anymore. And let's not answer that question. Like when someone asks, how are you? Don't say I'm busy because that reinforces being this like stressed out, high strung person, right? So instead you're going to say, I'm good. I'm fine. And these are like the three things that are going great in my life right now. How are you? Instead of being like, I'm busy. Everything's just so crazy. Oh my gosh. Because every time you talk about your life in that way, you continue to live a life that is all those things. So, okay. Everyone good now? Is everyone ready to join the anti-resolution revolution? That is a mouthful, by the way. So remember, when you are approaching this new year, whatever habits you are forming, they should be fun and positive and empowering, and you should feel desire and hope as you go into these new habits and as you are doing the habits and as you are conquering these habits and owning them and winning. So I hope that was really helpful to you. Again, show notes for this episode can be found at shamelessmom.com. Hop over to episode 89. And thank you for listening today. Happy 2017. I'm delighted to be kicking off a new year with you. I'm super excited. We're getting close to episode 100. So we are growing and fun things are happening. If you have not left me a review yet, could you please, as a New Year's present to me, could you please leave me a review? My reviews are my ratings and it helps me get more exposure and grow the show. So if you could hop over to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. You can literally write like one or two sentences and I read all of them. So put your name on there if you want to. You can also put in nicknames if you don't want to put in your name, but I love reading reviews. I appreciate them so much. They are really impactful to me being able to grow the show and share the shameless love with more mamas. So hop over to shamelessmom.com forward slash review and leave a review. And then you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy and share this episode. You can share from our social media platforms, or you can go to shamelessmom.com and click on any of the episode links to get direct links to the episodes and share out the ones that are most meaningful to you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the shameless love and welcome to 2017. It's going to be a fabulous year. And with that, remember, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.